when I go to a conference, I want to walk away with two things and I want to walk away without one thing. And one is I want to walk away with business contacts and I want to have learned at least one thing new. And that applies to a business contact. If I can walk away with 30 business cards, but one of them develops into a new friendship or a new relationship for my business, I consider it a success. So those are the two things at any conference is making a good business relationship and learning something new. What I want to walk away without is I don't want to feel like I've been a part of a political rally. Welcome into the Power Connect podcast. I am your host, Fred Davis, and this is episode number one of the Power Connect podcast. What is the Power Connect? Glad you asked. We're going to be talking all things energy on this show, sustainability, oil and gas, carbon capture, hydrogen, ESG, EV, the grid, you name it. If it has to do with energy, you're going to hear about it on the Power Connect. Same great interviews, same great content that you were used to on the other podcasts, just with a little bit different flair, a few more different segments, and of course, news you can use and everything in between. So glad to have you on board. Make sure you give us a follow on Apple. Give us a follow on Spotify. Check out the website, thepowerconnect.net. You will be glad that you did. Also, too, got to give a huge shout out to the entire Clean Text team, Melissa Miller and everybody that has helped make the Clean Text group go. A lot of good stuff going over there. Glad to be a part of it and couldn't thank them enough for bringing me into the fold and all the exciting stuff that's coming forward from Clean Text. Stay tuned. Go to cleantext.org to get up to date on everything that's going on there we've got a great happy hour uh the power hour going on next week in the df dub check it out go give it a go for all our dallas folks up there for all my dallas followers swing on by say hello you will be glad that you did speaking of saying hello we're going to say hello to one of the newest members of the clean text board of directors mr jonathan grammer had a chance to meet Mr. Jonathan Grammer last week at Gridnex Lubbock. He's a trial attorney, land man, and founder of the Grammer Law Group. He's also part of U.S. Carbon Capture. That was what he was talking about last week at Gridnex Lubbock. Just great information there. Kind of a two-part interview that we did with him today, talking all things uh, the, the the conference in, in Lubbock, and as well as we talked, obviously, carbon capture, the upcoming technology that's coming out of carbon capture and why it's so important. Also, why energy independence is a patriotic initiative, a very key insight. Also, too, why why he and his team decided to join Clean Tax from uh, the U.S. Carbon Capture, what was intriguing to him to join as a board member, and then, of course, also, too, he's no stranger to the conference game. A lot of you folks are out there aren't as well, but... What does he like to get from a conference? And he gives a little glimpse into what you can expect from Gridnext Dallas, which goes down September 22nd. Like I said, check out the website to learn more about that as well. But without further ado, the debut episode... The Power Connect is here. Let's welcome to the program. Couldn't start it off with a better human being. This is Mr. Jonathan Grammer. Clean energy is going to be a huge player, and we need it as part of this energy transition. Carbon capture provides that. Why does it seem so controversial, though, when it comes to the, the benefits that it provides? Well, I think because the main objective in shifting to all renewables and going electric is to get rid of fossil fuels. And I think that agenda has probably uh, hijacked a lot of the intelligent course that it needs to take which is the target is the emissions not the sources and we want to be clean I think we've jumped ahead of the game in trying to in concluding that that means we need to get rid of all fossil fuels we need to get rid of natural gas we need to get rid of coal we need to get rid of oil and that's just simply unrealistic and it's not safe I mean these things are still very reliable and uh, very robust energy sources and the transition off of them if that's in fact where we're headed is going to take the next 30 40 years in the meantime 
we still have an emission problem. And so carbon capture, either for sequestration or for enhanced oil recovery, is really the only immediate solution to buy us time. If we want to become an all-renewable culture, and there's debate as to whether or not that's the best thing to do, maybe a balance between the two. And if you can clean up fossil fuels, then you can kind of move towards a common ground conglomerate of both. You can have fossil fuels still providing a reliable base load. It's clean burning now because you're capturing the CO2. And if you've got that strong base in place, then you've got a more fertile valley for, for renewables to expand. Exactly. Uh, um, you talked about oil and gas and, you know, let's call it what it is. I mean, this is the, the oil and gas industry. Um, we, we know you know, what they bring in revenue-wise, but more importantly, just the technologies they brought in. And so if anybody's going to help, sh- you know, usher in this energy transition, it's going to be, it's going to, we're going to need the oil and gas companies and their technology to do so. Right. Are you starting to see now that, again, we know that they're in the renewable side of things, but how far along are they when it comes to enhancing and improving carbon capture technology to where it does become more of a viable player? I think the technology is there now. I think the real holdback is what's known, what we're calling commercial deployment, is how do you take this technology? And every technology needs to be advanced. You know, the efficiency rate for our existing energy sources, whether it's wind, solar, oil, and gas, is still barely breaking 50% efficiency rate. So every technology we have can always be improved, and carbon capture is no different. Uh, the carbon, the technology is in place now through the use of an amine solution to successfully separate to about a 95% efficiency rate CO2 from an exhaust stream. But what we're lacking is, okay, how do you commercially deploy this? How do we make it economical for industrial sources to implement carbon capture? And I think that's the big unknown right now. And you hear a lot of talk, as you did today, about 45Q. That's a cost reduction mechanism, but it does not in and of itself create its own revenue stream, unless you're trading carbon credits, but that's not helping reduce emissions. And so I think that's the real holdup is, how are we gonna make this economically deployable so that it actually makes sense as a business? What's gonna get the final oomph to where the U.S. can finally kind of, you know, finally kind of cede control of what is, is a global market? and reestablish itself in this energy market where everything is in play. I think the reestablishment word you used is probably the growing pains we're, we're going through. You know, okay. Energy is very politically polarized. You've got, you're either, you're either renewables or you're traditional fossil fuels. Right. And I think my hope is that subsequent to the winter storm that hit in February of uh, 21, URI, is that we're gonna somehow start to shatter these traditional these traditional roles that we have to be separatist, you know, and the United States is kind of very well entrenched right now. The more we can move towards center and, and address United States energy as one thing rather than oil and gas or renewables, solar, wind, coal bed, methane, coal, oil and gas, as one energy source, as one energy market, I think that's going to better position us to take the leadership that you're talking about. I think what's still lacking is identification of this as a patriotic initiative. We're talking about energy independence and security, and, and, and that's a flag that's been waved by the individual energy sectors rather than as a whole country or as a whole state. I mean, let's, let's be clear. We're living at this very hour. We're seeing energy being weaponized. Uh, if you're watching what's going on with Russia and the EU, I mean, energy is being used as leverage in, in a battlefield. And, and that's been going on for the United States for years. Our foreign dependency on foreign oil and foreign energy sources 
um, has gone on, I think, way too long. And, and I think the, the main focus needs to be how do we make a safe and reliable and independent energy infrastructure in the United States that's not going to be achieved by one energy source or another. It can't be alternative sources. It's got to be additional. You can't just have solar and wind and go all electric. You can't stand on just fossil fuels. We're going to have to combine these things together. And that sort of unity, I think, is the rebranding that we need. Why are we going to be unified? We're not championing our own cause of our individual industries. We're championing the cause of the country. We want to have a better country, which means all hands are going to have to come on deck. You mentioned being uh, an energy land man, uh, having done both oil and gas and wind solar. How is that? How did that help shape your perspective, being on the ground, talking to folks behind the scenes? How is that kind of shaped? I think it was recognizing early on that these sources are already connected. You know, I was seeing power plants that were generating electrical energy uh, being supplemented by wind and solar along the way as their corridor, their transmission right-of-way corridor, went down to the Permian Basin to supply the oil fields of southeastern New Mexico. And the natural gas that they drilled with that power was then piped back to the natural gas power plant, and the whole cycle began. And so for 10 years, I guess, in my career, the last 10 years, I've already borne witness to the fact that we're already unified. You're, you can't just pull these sources apart. Yeah. What we need to do is start enhancing what we already have in place. And that is, we're already working together we just need to rebrand it as such, to, use, to your point. Uh, U.S. Carbon Capture, a little bit about who you guys are, what you do, and um, kind of what's on the horizon for the rest okay, of the Okay, well, we're all uh, oil and gas background, whether it's a geologist uh, from uh, ConocoPhillips. We've got a reservoir engineer from Denbury, facilities engineer from Kinder Morgan. Our legal counsel came from Devon. And uh, we've all found ourselves, found each other over the last two years with the same motivations we just talked about. Yeah. We really wanted to find a way to preserve fossil fuels in the, in the short term, give that industry a solution to its emission problems rather than having it crammed down their throat. And we're finding a great market for that service. And I think there's a lot of people out there on both sides of the equation uh, that want to see deployment of carbon capture. And not a lot of people with the technical expertise to do it yeah. uh, who've recognized that the message needs to be rebranded. I think we're doing both successfully. Uh, we've been busy really the last six months, almost every week in the air and on the road meeting with people who want to see our projects. And right now we've got two under development. I think that you're going to see pop here in probably the next 24 months. What kind of feedback have you received from the Gridnex Lubbock and just kind of overall your thoughts on how the overall event went? I think generally what I brought to the table was well received. It seemed to be a fairly attentive audience. I know we were probably not the most technically geared presentation of the day, but I think the larger message of carbon capture for those that grabbed my hand as I was exiting, it seems to suggest I'd left a lot of thought provoking issues with them. Uh, how do you, uh, you know, what is the relevance of carbon capture to electrical generation in the state of Texas? I don't know that that nexus has really been drawn very well. And I, I hope that I was able to contribute to that. And it sounds like I was. No, you absolutely were. And so you are a relatively new member of the Clean Tax organization. Now that's right. Came a board member, it may have been in the last eight weeks. I reached out to the leadership of that group about a year ago when I was interested in finding not a new trade association to join, but maybe to supplement my existing membership that was more geared towards a bipartisan energy approach that you know wanted to have an even mix of, of fossil fuel, oil and gas, but also renewables. Really, a lot of this got 80% of its momentum after Winter Storm Uri, when uh, everybody who's anybody who could fail did. It was not anybody's individual fault. 
there was a collective responsibility through a lack of communication. And you started seeing it certainly in the carbon capture space, which is referenced as a bipartisan energy policy. It's supported by the Democrats uh, because it helps reduce the carbon emissions and greenhouse gases. It's supported by the Republicans because it enables fossil fuels to continue to burn safely. I was really interested in others, uh, despite the lack of popularity and sort of a common ground approach, we're kind of a divided we like good divisive issues and divisive conflict. That's what stirs our, our interest. But if there were entities out there that were pursuing a more bipartisan collective path, because I thought that's really what got illuminated after Winter Storm Uri is it was everybody's responsibility. It was natural gas operators, coal fire power generation, natural gas generation, transmission, renewable solar. Everybody had a piece in that pie. And so I thought it could only be addressed that way. If we could get an all hands on deck approach to solving this problem, because we're all a part of it. And if there's a trade association out there that's not interested in pointing fingers, but bringing everybody to the table to solve the problem, that's a trade association that I want to be a part of. And that's what brought me to clean tech. You're part of the Dallas chapter. Uh, we've got Gridnex Dallas coming up on September 22nd. You're going to help put this thing together, which I'm excited about. What, A, in Jonathan Grammer's mind, makes a good conference, and B, what can people expect from a, a Jonathan Grammer-led uh, kind of search committee on who's well, going to Well, when I go to a conference, I want to walk away with two things, and I want to walk away without one thing. And One is I want to walk away with business contacts, and I want to have learned at least one thing new. And that applies to a business contact. If I can walk away with 30 business cards, but one of them develops into a new friendship or a new relationship for my business, I consider it a success. So those are the two things that any conference is. Making a good business relationship and learning something new. What I want to walk away without is I don't want to feel like I've been a part of a political rally. And I don't want something that's heavy left or heavy right that's extremely difficult to find. And I like a balanced uh, agenda so that I don't feel that way. And I'm hoping and I anticipate that that's what Clean Text Dallas will be. It certainly was what I felt it was in Lubbock. I think that's the path we need to follow. I'm all for, you know, standing our ground. I've got my political issues. I've got my own beliefs. And I've got ideas about the energy infrastructure that I ain't going to budge on. Always have. We all do. But I think finding a way to contribute those to the larger cause is the intelligent path. And I think that's what these conferences are all about. And I think that's what we're going to see in Dallas. Get you out of here with this. What um, your thoughts right now on the energy industry, what we need to be working on or what yeah. kind of you're working on. And then two, ultimately, what does Jonathan Grammer and uh, U.S. Carbon Capture bring to the clean tech mix? Absolutely. I think the main issue facing the state of Texas right now, in tandem with reduction of greenhouse gases, is grid resiliency. And currently, we've 75 percent of the base load on average in both MISO, SPP and ERCOT is coming from fossil fuels. And so to transition to either a partial renewable energy infrastructure or, or total, uh, given how many decades out and what you feel about that movement in the short term you're going to have to have some sort of commercial deployment of carbon capture, either for sequestration or for injection into an enhanced oil recovery project. And I think that's probably going to be one of the more pivotal issues is how fast and how much deployment of commercial carbon capture can we effectuate and how fast. And we bring a group of 
five management uh, personnel to develop those projects, primarily targeted at natural gas electrical generation units, but that can be applied to all industrial emitters of anthropogenic CO2. Uh, and we'd like to help them develop those projects, put them in contact with the right people, either pipe it to the Gulf, pipe it to South Texas, let's establish some sequestration lease positions, or let's broker the deals between them and oil field operators who desperately need uh, purified CO2 for injection for their recovery projects. And that, that's what U.S. carbon capture is all about. How does your expertise help this already growing, uh, continuing, developing clean tech organization? I'm hoping that our expertise helps make it digest. You know, carbon capture, either in the media, uh, has a very large ring to it. And those that truly understand it will tell you the same thing. It's an, it's a, it's an apple that requires four bites to eat. Uh, it's a massive undertaking. There are three components to the value chain. You're going to have a source, a transmission corridor, and an injection reservoir. And you're going to need people that understand all three and know how to break it down into a practical project from step one to step 10. And that's what we hope to bring. I think that's the, the real alpha that we bring to the equation is a practical understanding of how you really deploy this rather than just talk about it. Obviously, they can find you, Jonathan Grammer, on LinkedIn. I'm guessing you're not related to Kelsey. No, that's correct. I'm not. I'm right, just confirming that. Where else can they find you? Websites, uh, if they want to learn more about U.S. carbon capture. The domain is us-ccs.com, and uh, they can learn all about our leadership team, contact information, kind of what our mission statement is, and all those good things. Thank you so much for that, Mr. Jonathan Grammer. Go to thepowerconnect.net. You can also subscribe to the podcast. Please do it. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, give us a five-star rating. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. There's plenty more of this to come. I know you're going to enjoy it. And of course, also you can email me, fred at thepowerconnect.net for any kind of ideas, suggestions, or if you just want to be part of the show. And we hope that you do. Shout out as always to the entire Clean Text team. Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been the Power Connect podcast, connecting the energy transition one conversation at a time. Oh no, stuck in low down.